0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's looking that way. And fire's for Kim downfield.
1: in. Thank you for making us a part of your evening, morning, whatever time. this yes, is acceptable, I suppose. Um, good to be back. Draft preview episode today. Um, told you we'd be sporadic, but I did want to get something in. And you know, it's funny. I think I told everybody the last episode I recorded said... I said the last episode, I don't think the Panthers are going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater. And then what do they do 24 hours later? They go out and they get Sam Darnold. I'm not complaining by the way. I think it's a great move. Um, That's what I want to talk about first is Sam Darnold. I, I really do think this is a solid move for Carolina. Um, I think this is something that, it's it, a lot of people are judging Sam Darnold based on what he did with the New York Jets, right? Here's the thing, though: if we're going to judge Sam Darnold based on that, and I'm not saying we should ignore it altogether. Okay, the the Jets thing was a uh, di- disaster, unmitigated disaster. I'm I'm not suggesting that. That's worthy of just being ignored or it's not something that gets taken into consideration or anything like that. But I don't think you can look at what happened with the Jets and then say, well, this is who Sam Darnold is. Can we all acknowledge that in the past 10 years, there's very few organizations as poorly run as the New York Jets? Is that OK to acknowledge that that's the case? Is it okay to acknowledge that in the past 10 years there have been very few head coaches as bad as Adam Gase? And is it okay to acknowledge that there's been very few coordinators in the past 10 years as dysfunctional as Greg Williams? Check, 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 check. We can all acknowledge that. If we can all acknowledge that those things are true, why are we holding that against Sam Darnold? Can we also acknowledge that Sam Darnold didn't have an elite receiver, didn't have an elite running game, didn't have an elite offensive line. We all acknowledge that. So if we all acknowledge those things were treacherous, why is it that everybody wants to tell me how bad Sam Darnold is and that there's absolutely no chance he can succeed anywhere else? Again, I'm not going to sit here and say he's, this elite level talent that can win multiple Super Bowls or anything like that. But I don't think this is that. I don't think this is a bad move. I think he can be a formidable starter in this league. Okay. What is his one weakness? Let's talk about Sam Darnold's one weakness. It's turnovers, right? Mainly the picks. The fumbles are a problem too, but I think in the NFL, it's very, very difficult to predict fumbles. Okay, it's a very difficult thing to predict. But picks, we can pretty much figure that part out. That's a problem, right? I want to bring something up. Peyton Manning threw 15 interceptions in each of his first five years. In 2002, the Colts did something. They hired Tony Dungy as their new head coach, right? Okay, so after Tony Dungy came in, Payton didn't throw fifteen picks again until two thousand nine. Dungey retired in two thousand eight. Okay, so translation: Sam Darnold's turnovers can be corrected with the right coaching. That is not a hot take. I again, am I saying that Peyton Manning turns or that Sam Darnold turns into Peyton Manning? No, 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 no. Peyton Manning was a number one overall draft pick, he was a phenom, he was stellar, he was amazing. I'm not suggesting that at all. But if he, if Peyton Manning, in an era where quarterbacks weren't throwing it 35 times a game, was throwing 15 picks per game, and then Tony Dungy comes in and changes the complete direction of his career, is it not okay to assume Is it not okay to think or predict or consider the fact that Sam Darnold, with a better coach in Matt Rule, who I do think is tremendously better than Adam Gase, could possibly lessen his interceptions? Let's also think about this, too. When is Sam Darnold throwing these picks? Right? So in 2018, which was his rookie year, Sam Darnold had 15 interceptions. In 2019, he had 13. In 2020, he had 11. Okay, it's a lot. When trailing, though, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold in 2018, 10 of his 15 picks came when they were down. 2019, 8 of his 13 picks came when they were trailing. 2020, 7 of his 11 picks came. When they were trailing. Okay. So for one, not only has Sam Darnold in each year he's been in the league lessened his interceptions. But he's also substantially thrown more picks when they are losing than when they are winning. Why is that important? Because the Jets went 2-14 and 14 last year. And because this is a franchise that not only are they not accustomed to winning, they're accustomed to being a joke in their division. Next to the Browns, this is one of the biggest laughing stocks in the NFL, right? So when the Jets get down, it's different than when other teams get down. When the Jets get down 10-0, immediately what are they trying to do? Miracle play to get back in the game. And twice last year it worked. They want a miracle play to get back in the game, to give them some momentum, to get something going on the offensive side of the ball. That is always what they do. So what do they do? They're not going to run the ball. They can't run the ball, right? Like the Jets run game was absolutely abysmal last year. It was completely non-existent. So if you're down 10-0, are you you going to keep pounding the ball away when you haven't won? No, of course not. What are you going to do? You're going to throw it. And you're going to throw risky passes. And you're going to throw crazy passes and complex plays. And so when you throw complex passes and you drop these complex plays, you sure, you might hit a home run. But you're also probably going to throw a lot of picks. And that is exactly what Sam Darnold did. Sam Darnold in Carolina, not that it's going to be easy. because I don't think it'll be easy. But Sam Darnold in Carolina is not going to be losing games as much as he was in New York. He lost a lot of games in New York. He's not going to be losing that often. Matt has a game plan. He sticks to the game plan. In fact, he got very upset last year with Teddy Bridgewater when Bridgewater went off script against the Broncos. I don't know if people remember that or not. But, I mean, he, he literally about binged Bridgewater for uh, the next game because of that. <laughs> I mean, he was pissed about it. So, Matt Rule is a stick-to-the-script kind of guy. He is not going to bail from the script just because they get down in a game. So, I think it's going to be a very different experience for Sam Darnold. Now, I do think. Sam Darnold has to win soon. I do not think Sam Darnold can enter Carolina in the way he entered New York. And the way he entered New York was essentially, well, you don't have to win right away. I think you come into Carolina, the expectation is, is we got to see something, right? There's too much talent on this team. We've got a good head coach. We got to see something. And so this is kind of where I think the problem becomes for Sam Darnold's career, or at least the potential challenge and obstacle he's going to face in Carolina. Is right now Joe Brady, who is I believe 33, 32, 33, is already getting head coaching looks. He ain't getting an offer, but he got a look, right? And that's going to become more prevalent. So if Sam Darnold comes in to Carolina and he succeeds, then Joe Brady's going to likely get an NFL head coaching job which means Sam Darnold is leaving the Jets where he had an offensive coordinator last year, goes to Carolina, he gets a new offensive coordinator this year. If Joe Brady gets a head coaching job, we're now talking about another year where Sam Darnold gets a different offensive coordinator. That revolving door is very problematic. Okay, Quarterbacks that have their revolving door, they just do not succeed. So I think Matt Rule is going to have to be very, 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 Involved with Sam Darnold's development to remain that one consistent piece because if Joe Brady's gone, he it may be a good year this year. But listen, the division's good enough to where a good year this year can net Carolina like an eight and nine record. So if you're Carolina, you go okay, eight and nine on the cusp, starting to feel it. But then Joe Brady gets a head coaching job, and then next year, what if Sam Darnold pulls back a lot? That I mean, that could be the end. You get two chances in this league. You don't get three. You get two. So I think Sam Donald's obstacle is if he succeeds, how can he continue that success if Joe Brady gets another head coaching job? I think it's a big obstacle. Um, obstacle number two is this is a really good receiving core. Any Carolina fan would acknowledge DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, love the receiving core. My goodness, if they can find a way to add Kyle Pitts, this is going to be absolutely insane. But... This is maybe the worst receiving core in the NFC South. And it's a it's a great receiving core. But the Panthers don't have a receiver as talented as Julio Jones or Michael Th- Thomas. Um or uh shoot why am I blanking on the the Tampa receiver name? Mike. <laughs> I can't think of his name. Um yeah, just total brain fart here um Mike Evans there, there isn't a player as talented as Mike Evans on the Panthers roster so like the Panthers have the fourth most talented wide receiving core in the division so you're going to be going up against top receiving core it's fourth in the fourth best receiving core in the division problematic um so I think those are obstacles now I will say this Sam Donald's 23 okay He is young. We forget this, I think, about Sam Darnold. But there are quarterbacks coming into this draft that are 23 years old, right? Like, Sam Darnold came into this league as a 20-year-old and started his first game as 21. Well, that is insanely young, right? And so he's just been learning this game and has been doing it under the Adam Gase system. Everybody's in love with this Mac Jones kid. Mac Jones is going to be 23 when he starts his first NFL game. So Mac Jones and Sam Darnold are like essentially the same age. I mean, they're right there. Sam Darnold's 23, Mac Jones 22. And we'll be 23 when he starts. That, that to me, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to give Mac Jones a year on this thing, I think it's okay to say Sam Donald's mistakes in New York, yet it's take. And that leads me. If you look at this draft, here is my draft board right now for Carolina. Okay. And my draft board's going to surprise people, but this is really just for the first pick. I've got five players here that I want the first pick. One, Justin Fields. Why is he at the top of my draft board? A lot of people are going to hear this and go, oh, but you got Sam Darnold. You love Sam Darnold. I do like Sam Darnold. But let me tell you what would happen, the outcomes. Let's play this out. What are the outcomes of Carolina if they draft Justin Fields? This is a win-win proposition, and it amazes me how good this could be. So let's let's lay out the two outcomes. So the one outcome is they draft Justin Fields, and Sam Darnold works, and Sam Darnold is great, and you don't need Justin Fields. Okay? So if that happens, then A – fantastic Sam Donald worked. We solved the quarterback issue. Sam Donald's the guy. Great. Well, is there anything wrong with that? No. So then what do you do with Justin Fields? Oh, that's easy. You trade him. I guess look at the quarterback situation right now in this league. Would you classify it as great? Washington went and won the NFC East last year. <laughs> <laughs> with a quarterback who was undrafted and went to old dominion and about two weeks before he came on to the team, he was studying statistics. Okay. That is who Washington won the NFC East with the quarterbacks. It, my next point is do you think if you call Washington up next year, Let's say, you know, Sam Darnold works. Call Washington up and say, hey, we got this Justin Fields kid. He's super quarterback. unavailable. Why he's here. He doesn't have a ton of potential. Zach Wilson. Another one. Zach Wilson was not a first-round prospect until this year. Why did he have such a great year? He played a super easy schedule. That is to Zach Wilson's credit, that one game against Coastal, they didn't know until 72 hours, and everybody forgets this little stat. They did not know until 72 hours they were going to be playing that game against Coastal. And Zach Wilson came in, started, but it looked terrible. I mean, the thing is, is, and this is what comes down to me for Zach Wilson, is he not? there was not a lot asked out of him this year. BYU just didn't ask a lot out of him. Yet the one game where they needed him to be the guy, he couldn't come through. I've also heard of there being attitude issues. I don't know any about that stuff. I'm not there. I'm not in Utah. I, I, I don't know anything about that. But there's reports of there being attitude issues. He seems to be like the smartest guy in the room type of persona, that type of thing. Um, I don't like that. But I do look at him. I don't see a very I, – I don't think he's as accurate as what we saw this past year. I don't see a lot of the wow factor people are seeing. Um, I, I think a lot of his wow passes are really don't have a lot of zip on them. The touch is okay. Ball placement isn't as, as good as I think you'd want it to be. I, it's it, There's just a lot of their stuff there that I'm like, I, I don't get why he's moving up so far up the draft boards. But, I mean, listen, scouts did the same thing with Mitch Trubisky. Like, literally, Deshaun Watson is out there. Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes, let's not forget, Patrick Mahomes was a huge boomer bust potential. Nobody knew he was going to be as good as he was. Deshaun Watson was virtually no bust, a lot of boom. Um, Those guys are sitting out there, the Bears took Mitch Trubisky. It's mind-boggling. But this is where we are with this thing. The two most talented quarterbacks in this draft, far and away, are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. The most NFL prospects in terms of potential, mobility, arm strength uh, technique is Trey Lance. He's the most NFL prospect. Mac Jones is probably the most ready and capable of coming in and winning now. But honestly, I look at Mac Jones as ceiling as Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I really do. And then you've got Zach Wilson, who... I, I think Zach Wilson really needs a solid two years to come in and be ready for this thing. So if I were Carolina and I'm at pick eight, there's going to be one of those quarterbacks is going to be available. I don't know who it will be. I don't know if it would be Justin Fields. I don't know if it will be Zach Wilson. But I feel pretty confident there will be a quarterback available. Justin Fields is there. I would take him. He is number one on my draft board. Number two on my draft board is Kyle Pitts. I think you cannot argue how effective Kyle Pitts would be as a tight end with this unit. And it would open up the run game. It would open up the pass game. It would open up blocking schemes. It would do everything. Kyle Pitts would be phenomenal. I don't think he's going to fall to eight. I really do think Atlanta is going to take him at pick four. But if they don't. Carolina's going to be licking their chops if he's available. He's very, very good. So I've got him at number two. Number three, uh, if Kyle Pitts and Justin Fields aren't available, the plan has to be to bolster up this offensive line. It's just that simple. You've got to. You got Sam Darnold. You got to bring him in. You got to protect him. So Panay Sewell from Oregon would be my top choice. Um, so he's number three. Number four on my draft board is Rashawn Slater. Now, if you wanted to flip three and four. I would have zero problem with it, and here's why. I like Panay Sewell better from what I've seen. But Rashawn Slater has played in the Big Ten and has played on a team that's not super talented, Northwestern. I don't know if you've watched Northwestern. They don't put a lot of players into the NFL. They're not notorious for it by any means. Um, It's a very difficult school to get into. But the reason why that's so impressive is the Big Ten has some of the best defensive lines in the country. The Big Ten is, honestly, I would say on par with the SEC in terms of defensive line play. So every week, Rashawn Slater faced an elite edge rusher and still held his ground. Now, Panay played in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 defensive line is not; it's not nearly the defensive line that you see in the, in the big 10. So a Sean Slater, I think has faced a tougher level of competition. Now, I, I don't think you can just grade on competition level alone because you're going to see FCS guys come into this thing and perform quite well. So of course they're playing against much inferior competition than these guys are. But I do think when we're looking at two prospects and they're so similar in strength, and they're so similar in talent, and they're so similar in smarts, you, you start looking at, okay, who were you guarding against? Who were you protecting your quarterback against? And Rashawn Slater faced incredible competition, a competition that Panay Sewell did not face. Um, now, here's where things, I think, get interesting and very uncertain. What happens if Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater are all off the board by pick eight? To me, that's the worst-case scenario for Carolina because I don't think, Carolina, you want to trade down and get more picks. Now, that's what a lot of people say is trade down, trade down, trade down. But, I mean, the reality is is if you trade out of a top-10 pick to get more picks, you're trading a potential starter, a potential star for Now, a role player. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of role players, but Carolina has a lot of role players. They went and drafted a bunch of role players on defense last year, so I would not want a role player. I would, if those four guys are off the board, I would take whoever you think is the most dynamic player available in the draft. Forget needs, forget it all. If... Fields, Pitt, Sewell, and Slater off the board go with the most dynamic player available in the draft. And then rounds two on, you can draft for needs, you can get more picks or do whatever you want. But this pick, you got to use it and get somebody. So what I would do is I would put, and my fifth person on my draft board is Patrick Certain, the cornerback out of Alabama. I think Certain is physically... Very, very underrated. I think he is a great matchup. And you've got to bolster the secondary right now for Carolina. You really do. Um... I think he is a great matchup for Atlanta secondary or Atlanta's receiving core. He's a great matchup for the Saints' receiving core. I think he's the type of guy that can take out somebody's number one wide receiver and go toe to toe with them. He's going to help out uh, Jeremy Chin. He's going to help out Troy Pride Jr. I think this would really elevate the secondary. Now, again, to me, it's still not as good as if you're able to protect Sam Darnold. So don't get too hyped about this stuff. But I do think Patrick Certain coming in would, you know, Carolina does have a need at corner. I think Patrick Certain is super, super dynamic, could be a game changer on the defensive side of the ball. So that is who I would go with if I were Carolina. Um, But, you know, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting draft. So I thought what we would do is I'm going to do this live. We're going to do a live mock draft here. Uh, now the question is going to be, um, what simulator do I use? Uh, because I used a simulator earlier. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It had Zach Wilson going number one, which uh, I just I think is hilarious. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is I don't think with anything happening in this draft, I do not think. And what, let's do, I'll tell what, let's do all seven rounds. I'm, so on the clock is, of course, Jacksonville. Now we're not going um, I just think trades are too hard to predict, so we're not going to do that. All right, so here's what happened. All right, so Trevor Lawrence went one. Zach Wilson went two. Justin Fields went three. I think it's actually very very accurate. Um, Atlanta took Panay Sewell at number four. So, again, start licking your chops. Jamar Chase went to the Bengals at five. Kyle Pitts went to Miami um, at six. Um, and then seventh was Devonte Smith, um, from Detroit. So that leaves, um, so I mean, again, in this, I would stick to my guns. You do have Trey Lance available. You have Christian Barmore available. I don't think an interior defensive line really helps this team. Mac Jones is available. Would not take him. And then Patrick certain is uh, sitting out there, along with Jalen Waddell. Uh, there's a lot of Panther fans saying take a wide receiver. That makes no sense at all to me whatsoever. Jalen Waddell would only come in with certain three wide receiver sets. He's not even going to play all the game. It, with the number one pick, I want to take the most dynamic, impactful player I can find. So um, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to take Rashawn Slater. They're with number eight. And I would be, if I were Carolina, I would be very, very happy with Rashawn Slater um, available there, there at eight. Would I prefer Kyle Pitts? Yes. But Rashawn Slater, I'd be very, very happy with. Now we go over to round two. So round two, we have um, Zaven Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Alex Leatherwood, a tackle from Alabama. Jamin Davis, a linebacker from Kentucky. Ed Basham Jr., edge rusher from Wake Forest. Ronnie Perkins, an edge rusher from Oklahoma. Um, let's see. Let's keep scrolling through some of these guys here. Uh, really not anybody too crazy that I would want once you get past that. Um, I think what I would do, I think what Carolina needs to focus on is putting together a really elite pass rush. The added linebackers and free agency, um, and I don't think you need to add Alex Leatherwood since we picked up for Sean Slater. So I would take Carlos Basham jr. The edge rusher out of wake forest. Um, uh, Vonnie Perkins out of Oklahoma is very good as well. Uh, but Carlos Basham jr. I think is, um, v- very talented, especially to be available there in the second round. So that's who I would pick. Now let's go over to our third round pick. This would be pick 73. Um, all right. So we have Kendrick green is a guard from Illinois Tay Gowen, cornerback from Central Florida. Justin Palmer, wide receiver from Tennessee. Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Brady Christensen from BYU. Uh, let's see. Another edge rusher. Davis Mills from Stanford. No thank you. Um, you now, Kellen Mond is available here, and that is very, very interesting. So I think we did this the last draft I did a few weeks ago. I said I would take Kellen Mond um in round three or four. And I absolutely would, because I think you've got to be considerate here that A, Sam Darnold could get injured, in which case where do you go to? Um B, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater wants to be backups, so I think you're gonna have to trade him. Um And then see, there's no guarantee that Sam Donald even works on this thing. So, yeah, I would absolutely consider, if I were Carolina, making a move and taking Kellen Mond. Now, I'm not going to – I'm not going to do that if I can get out of that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, What I would do here, if I were Carolina, is I do think the secondary needs some help. So I would draft Tate um, here from Central Florida – uh, they're at pick 73 as cornerback from central Florida. So there's our third round pick. Now let's go over to pick 113. Simming here. All right. So we've got Chris Evans running back from Michigan. That is interesting. Because again, I think this running back situation, if Christian McCaffrey gets injured, I think it's very, very difficult. We have Justin Hilliard from Ohio State available, Tyreek Gillespie from Missouri, uh semi- I I need to watch more Pactual football, but Simi Fajoko, I don't watch enough Pactual football. It's a wide receiver from Stanford. Um, Rashad Wild Goose from Wisconsin. He is very talented. See, and here's the other thing. If I would have known Wild Goose would have been available here, I maybe wouldn't have taken a corner with my third round pick. I don't want to take a corner right here. He's already took one. Um, We've got Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. Hunter Long from Boston College. He's a tight end. That's also very interesting there because I still think you've got to add a tight end. Um, so, let's see. I think I would be between Hunter Long, tight end from Boston College, or Chris Evans, the running back from Michigan. Um, Chris Evans is really tough to pass up at 113. He's such a talented running back. I think you got to go needs-based here, though, and I think the bigger need is going to be that tight end. So, I would take Hunter Long from Boston College and bring him in. All right, now it's going to pick 151. Let's see where this lands us. All right, pick 151. Drew Dahman from Stanford. Elijah Griffin from USC. Cameron Bynum from California. Puka Williams Jr. from Kansas. That's an interesting one. Another very talented running back. He was, listen, Kansas is terrible all the way around. Puka Williams Jr. was fantastic, though. I would absolutely consider that. Um, Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana. He's another one. I've watched Louisiana play. He is a standout kid. Very good. Um, some wide receivers available. I really want to take a wide receiver right here. Uh let's see. Jamie Newman is still sitting out there. Shoot, and see, then there's Noah Gray tight end from Duke. And I almost wouldn't. So this is round five, pick seven. I wouldn't be opposed to taking another tight end because, I, again, I'm just trying to figure out... I'm just trying to fill needs at this point. Uh, it's the fifth round of the draft. I think i are trying to fill needs. I would be totally okay taking a tight end, even though we took one earlier. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Puka Williams Jr. because I think you need the running back help in case McCaffrey gets injured. I think Puka Williams Jr. is going to go... Uh, is going to be very underrated just simply based on the fact that he played at Kansas. But I, I like him a lot. Um, all right. Now we go over to pick six or round, uh, round six, pick nine. That is number, let see, 193 is where we're at. And let's see. Now the question would be, so there's John Bates, Jalen Moore, Larry Brown is from Missouri, Drake Johnson Center from Kentucky, Let's see what we've got in terms of quarterbacks available. Sam Bush- Shane Bouchel, available Sam Ellinger, available Philippe Franks, available Ian Book. I only really think I would take a chance on any of those guys, and they'll probably all be available in free agency, too. Um, John Bates is available from Boise State. Now, there is Ben Mason, tight end available from me. Mid- I don't to do any talent. Um, I think he was Demokage from Duke, so there it is.